0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. I've got such an awesome interview for you today. Today, I'm talking to Sean Croxton from Underground Wellness. I'm sure you've heard of Sean. Underground Wellness is a massive player in the online health and wellness space. He started with a YouTube channel, and now he's also got a podcast and some incredible live events. And Sean's just like a really dynamic, energetic guy. And I was thrilled that he wanted to come on to the podcast today to talk with all of us about how he's built his business. Now, in this interview, we're really going to get back to basics and talk about the things that you really need to get started building your online business business and also what's worked for Sean. And as you'll see, he's just got such great energy and enthusiasm for the whole thing. So it was a lot of fun talking with him. Another thing is I'm super excited because my first 1000 fans program is starting this week. So thanks to everybody that went through the free training videos that gave me such good feedback and that's joining me in the program. I really can't wait to see you build your online presence too. So that's quite exciting and keeping me busy for the next few weeks. And if you missed out on first 1,000 fans this time, don't worry, because I'm going to be re-releasing it as an evergreen program later this year. But until then, if you want to build your own online presence, you can take my five-day blog challenge, which is available at wellpreneuronlinecom challenge, so that you can really maximize the content on your blog to start connecting with your ideal customer and to create content that they'll love and share. So that would be great. And just a final reminder that all the show notes from this episode, as well as all the other episodes are available back on the blog. For this episode in particular, they will be at wellferneronline.com 17. So you can get links to Sean's site. You can leave us a comment and tell us what you learned, um, ask a question, or just see any of the links that we talk about in the show. So without waiting any longer, let's jump into this interview with Sean because I think you're going to love it. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Amanda. Good to be here.
0: I've been really looking forward to have you on because I've actually, I put out a request to the listeners and said, who would you love to hear from? And your name came up a lot of times. So everyone's aware of underground wellness and and people are just really curious to hear your story and how you have built it to what it is today.
1: Oh, wow. So you want to hear that story? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs>
1: Uh, Let's see. Well, I went to college and I studied kinesiology, fitness, nutrition, and health. I graduated. I thought I knew everything there was to know about fitness, nutrition, and health. And so I started using it with my clients as well as myself. I became a personal trainer like maybe two weeks after graduating. Applied that to myself as well as to my clients and didn't get the results that we were quite looking for. There's maybe about a two-year period where I blame them where I was like, ah, you're not following the program. You're not doing your food guide pyramid. You're not doing your hour of cardio every day. You're lying. Da, da, da. Then at some point, you know, I started to see like everybody getting the same bad results. So I said, Hey, there must be something wrong with this program. It's just not them. So I started reading materials that were written by people who were outside of the mainstream, outside of the food guide pyramid. So bumped into like the paleo diet by Dr. Lauren Cordain, nutrition and physical degeneration by uh, Weston a prize of the metabolic typing diet by William Walcott, Paul Cech as well. I started reading a lot of his articles, Dr. McCola as well, you know, started to see that there's a whole other side to this, what I call the dark side and started to apply that information to myself and to my clients and started to see the results that we were really looking for. And just kind of went deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole, just literally read hundreds of books on different topics in the whole underground health field. And then I started taking this information to YouTube. YouTube had just started, maybe it was like 2005. I think 2006, 2006, the end of 2006 is when I first posted my first video and people liked it and I kept doing it and I went through a few different channels and then finally ended up upon underground wellness and we've kind of stuck to it since then. So been doing videos kind of on and off though for the last, what, six or seven years. I started the radio show in 2008, which has been very consistent, we're about 250 something shows deep with that. And that gave me the opportunity to read the books of the people whose information i I was given out online, or I should say interview the authors of the books whose information I was given out online because you know, here I am you know, this guy with a really janky headset and, you know, a camera, really grainy, with his Yankees hat on to the side, talking about all this kind of controversial stuff. And so I felt like we needed some third party validation. So I started up the radio show, which has been really cool. And then, you know, at some point in there, really turned this into a business. I wrote The Dark Side of Fat loss so and we put out these summits every few months. And it's been really cool. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm really curious about, actually, because so when you started Underground Wellness or, or started your YouTube shows, it wasn't a business. Was it just a way, were you just trying to get the information out? Or was it a way for you to try to get like personal training clients?
1: It was my way to try to get health coaching clients. Um, mm. I've, I've always been an entrepreneur. I mean, I used to go to the swap meet with my dad when I was like six, seven years old. I mean, in college, I used to sell like bootleg rap CDs, you know, to, to other <laughs> students. And So I've always been an entrepreneur. So when I saw people starting to subscribe to my underground bonus channel, I knew that there was a business in there somewhere. I knew there was a way that I can flip this into an, an income. You know, it took a little while to get there because I had some, some money mindset issues and sellout issues and things of that sort. But once I was able to get through those, that's when things really started to blow up.
0: Right. Ooh, that stuff's juicy though. Can you tell us a bit more about kind of some of the money issues that you struggled with the mindset stuff?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean – and I read a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. I think everybody – even if you don't think you have money issues, you should read it because it's all about how – rich people think as opposed to how poor people think. And reading that book, I was able to see that I was thinking like a poor person. And a lot of those thoughts were kind of implanted in my subconscious mind by people who were around me as I was growing up. I mean, we moved from Oakland, where we were fairly well off, you know, both my mom and dad, they worked, my dad did really well. And then my parents got divorced, and I moved with my mom and my brother to Alameda, where, you know, more middle to upper income people lived. And, you know, we lived in this little apartment and whatnot. And so, we didn't quite feel like we fit in, you know, with the people who had money. And so I would hear people around me in the family and our circle of friends who who would be like, you know, those people with money, those rich people, you know, just just talking about them in a negative way. And, you know, when you talk to a, a young person that way, we begin to believe or we grow up with that thinking that rich people are greedy, rich people are bad, rich people don't want anything to do with us. And so when you're growing a business and you see money is out there and it's coming to you, you kind of get a little scared because you feel like, oh, I'm becoming one of those greedy people, you know, and it, it's mm-hmm. you might not really consciously recognize it, but it's there. And, uh, something else my mom would say all the time is, and I love my mom, and we've actually had talks about this, I'm going to play the lottery, you know, I'm going to try to play the lottery, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spend $100 on lottery tickets this week, you know, and it's just like, it's silly, to be honest, but it teaches a, a young person that being rich is something that happens to you it's not something that you work for. It's something that you go out and you, you know, pay a dollar for a a scratcher or whatever it may be. And it's just going to happen all of a sudden. And and there's no other way for us to become rich, but to do that. So I really internalize a lot of that stuff. And when you realize where a lot of this comes from, you kind of get to the point where you go, okay, these thoughts are not my thoughts. Let me go out here and and do my thing. And yes, I'm going to deal with some of the sellout stuff. You know, I paid way too much attention to the negative comments on YouTube, you know, but, but, you know, now I think they're funny. I think Hey, if I'm not getting haters on YouTube, I'm definitely not doing something right. Mm-hmm. Like last week I was looking at my last maybe seven or eight videos and they were only like combined seven or eight thumbs down votes for my YouTube. And I was like, yo, I need more. I need more. You know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not being controversial enough. I need to really talk about some juicy topics. Exactly. So yeah. On. If you never yeah. get negative
0: feedback, then you're <laughs> not really you're not really pushing it enough, I think, or you're not trying enough new things. because
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so I need, to, I need to push a little harder and, and really, you know, divide people, not really divide people, but just get some people, you know, talking a little trash about me. I like yeah. it. It's fun. And so even when, when I sold my first product, I did a radio show for, get this, a network marketing product. That was the first product I ever pitched to my audience, which is crazy when I think about it because the stigma about net, network marketing. But I mean, I remember going to my Facebook page after that show and seeing all kinds of comments about how I'm going to sell out and this, that and the other, but honestly, it's a great product. I still sell it now on the side. You know, when an $8,000 check comes rolling in when you're broke, your mindset changes a little bit. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so, Mm -hmm. and I love the fact that, you know, I get paid really well to help people with with great services, great products, great affiliate products that help them and change their lives and add value to, to what they've got going on in their life. And I couldn't ask for anything better.
0: I think that's hard for a lot of people in the beginning because, you know, it makes you vulnerable in a way to put yourself out there and, and start a blog and and it seems it can seem really like that first time you click publish on a blog post and you put yourself out there it can be really scary and then you get that it's like this roller coaster ride because you, you put yourself out there and you're just waiting for people and then you realize like no one no one sees it at first right it takes a while and then you start getting email subscribers and it's great and then you know one person unsubscribes and it will just ruin your whole day <laughs> in, in the beginning and i think yeah i really like your attitude towards that is just you've got to get some haters because because... Because that means you're doing something. You're like shaking things up. You're like, you know, having people see things in a different light and challenging their beliefs. And I, yeah, I I think that would be great if more of us could adopt that attitude, like that that actually shows that you're doing something good in the world.
1: Yeah. And I want to comment a little bit on a couple of points that you just made. Vulnerability is huge. Putting yourself out there. I mean, I, I compare it to like jumping in the cold pool. Like you don't really want to do it. But once you get in, you're like, oh, okay, I'm finally in. And the reason why I bring this up is because I do a lot of coaching. Like if somebody buys, you know, a particular like high-end course from me as an affiliate product, I'll typically give them like an hour coaching call with me, you know, just to chat and, you know, have them pick my brain and whatnot. And one thing I find all the time is people who have gone to all of these conferences and have taken all these online courses but haven't posted their first blog yet, you know, or haven't made their first video, haven't recorded their first podcast. Like it's just so hard for them to get started, you know? And there's so many things that, that are in the way of them getting started, you know, fear of rejection and fear judgment and whatnot, or, you know, the, the, the big change that maybe happening in their life because of it. But we have to just start, you know, if you're somebody out there who's taken 8 million different courses and you haven't done anything yet, stop taking courses, start mm-hmm. your blog up. I don't care if it's a Tumblr account or a blogger account, whatever You do, you only have to have a whole website. I always tell people when I first started my YouTube channel, I didn't have a website. I had MySpace. I was sending people to my MySpace page. And so that's really all you need. Send people to your Facebook page now. You know, Get them on an email list. Just, just start. Start. Don't feel like you need all of these things to be ready to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do it until I finish this. I can't do it until I have this up. No, just start because there's, you know, I, I get emails every day. You know, at least one that says, thank you, I was going through this and I saw one of your videos or listened to one of your shows and it changed my outlook and I was able to change my life and da-da-da-da. You know, there are people out there who are looking for you and they're not going to find you. They're not going to be helped or served by you until you put your content out. You can know all this stuff about, you know, cost per click and all of this CPAs and all these freaking different acronyms and whatnot that they talk about in marketing. I'll tell you, to be honest, I don't really know many of them. You know, there are people in the marketing field that can just walk circles around me when it comes to like marketing knowledge. Like I keep it really simple. I just help people, you know, I mm-hmm. put out content one, two, three times a week that I know is going to help people. And I, I put out my emails maybe twice a week. And then I try to stay up with my social media as much as I can. I educate myself as much as I can, but you know, everything else is just like, Hey, let's, let's just do it. Like we're working on a big project right now. Everything is not perfect, but we're just like, yo, let's just, let's just do it. And just yeah. get it done. I think more people need to, to get into that mindset. You mentioned unsubscribes. I used to freak out about <laughs> unsubscribes. I probably get anywhere between 150 and 300 unsubscribes every single time I send out an email. I don't care. You know, if you unsubscribe, you're not part of my tribe. Period, point blank. And when people unsubscribe, it saves you money because the bigger your list grows, the more it costs for you, you to have your email autoresponder service. And so I want people to unsubscribe. I love the fact that I have a list of like 80,000 people, which took a long time to grow, that acts like a list of 200,000 mm-hmm. because it's so responsive. Like I have a super high open rate. I have an engaged following. And so please unsubscribe if you don't want to read it go take your free stuff that I gave you and go. But if you want to hang on and chill and, 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 and and engage, then then let's do it. You know, so don't worry about unsubscribes. They're actually a good thing.
0: Okay. So how did you decide in the beginning? You said you started with this network marketing product. How did you decide like the first products you were going to sell to your audience?
1: This is another thing that I um, coach my students about, we'll say. I listened to what they wanted. Like the first product that I promoted was ProTandem. The network marketing product is an antioxidant. The science on it was just way too amazing. Still is way too amazing for me to keep my mouth shut about it. And so, you know, I got to the point where I sat on it for about 18 months. I was scared. To launch it, and I finally got to the point where I was like, "Yo, you know, shame on me if I don't share this with more people, so because a lot of people can be helped by this." And you know, the stories about it over this last few years from people who learned about it through me have been nothing short of amazing. But the dark side of fat loss—that was something that people asked for. You know, I always tell people, hey, if you're just starting out online, don't even think about your product yet. That shouldn't even enter your mind at this point. You should be thinking about building up your trust and credibility, putting out really good content, I should say, but making a product at some point that people have asked for. So you're engaging on Facebook, you're engaging on Twitter, you're engaging through your email or maybe through your message board and whatnot. And you start to see those common denominators. And one of the common denominators was that, you know, people asked for an ebook. People asked to be one of my clients, but they couldn't afford it. And they wanted to to know if there was any other way to go through my program. And basically what the dark side of fat loss is, my program literally almost word for word, but just rearranged a little bit better so it all fits. Word for word, what I used to say to my clients during sessions, right? Same analogies, all that stuff. That's why it was so quick for me to write it because I'd said it hundreds of times before. And so they asked for it. Paleo Summit was my second product and paleo was on the rise. I remember I just got done with the dark side of fat loss. I just put it out and I was hanging out with Kevin Gianni of Renegade Health and just kind of figuring out, you know, what's my next product going to be? And he had just got done with his cancer summit, I believe. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a summit. And we sat there coming up with different topics. And I was like, paleo. He's like, yeah, paleo. Because paleo, I mean, it's huge now, but it was, mm-hmm. again, it was coming up like two and a half years ago when I launched that. Then I think it was real food. And that's because I kind of wanted to get out of the whole paleo thing. I really don't like the term paleo. Personally, that's just my own thing. I think it kind of gets you into like an evolutionary debate with people, and people say, "Well, Paleolithic people only lived to be 20 years old. Why should we follow their diet?" But if I say, "Hey, just eat real food," it goes over a lot better. Mm -hmm. And so, I did the Real Food Summit and Sexy Back Summit. I'll I'll finish on this one. Was about natural solutions for sex-related health conditions. And what sparked that was Dr. Sarah Gottfried was on my radio show last January of 2013, I believe. And the response to that was crazy. I've never had such positive emails come in and such quick downloads come in over a particular show. So I was like, wow, I had no idea there was that many people interested in like, you know, women's health, sex and hormones, things like that. So I was like, yo, let's do a sexy back summit and, <laughs> you know, put that thing together. And then we did another real food one. And now um, it's thyroid. I mean, there's 300 million people. out there. Yeah, that's a huge off. topic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think that one's going to be a monster.
0: So I love this because you're basically saying, don't sit around and stress out about what products you're going to create. And am I going to make an ebook? And am I going to do this? The important thing is to get your opinions out there, like start writing and start building an audience and love your audience up. Because what I love about what you're saying is you're not like, oh God, I have to do my email newsletter. And what am I going to put in it? You're actually saying, these are my people, like this is my community. And what am I going to share with them now? And and like really trying to engage with them, because I think so many, you know, you can get into that like oh I have to send an email newsletter oh I have to update Facebook but maybe you shouldn't look at it that way it should be like an opportunity to engage
1: Yeah. yeah it's an opportunity to engage I mean if I send out an email I typically send out emails every Tuesday and every Friday, you know, it may differ every once in a while, but that's typically when I do it. And Tuesday is typically about a radio show, and Friday is typically about a video that I put out, maybe. If I feel like I don't have any good content to send them, I won't send them anything. If I feel there's a lot of people out there on Facebook, who will pull update and update and update seven, eight, nine, ten t- times a day. And I'm like, yo, I don't have anything good to post. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm not gonna force it. Like if I'm gonna put something on Facebook, it better be freaking good. And like you said, I mean, that's a place for me to communicate and engage with people. No, I don't answer every single comment and you know, post that goes up there because I, I wouldn't have any time in the day to do anything else. But you know, the the free time, you know, the the hour here and the hour there that I have to spend there and connect is is, is what I like to do.
0: Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite social media platform
1: Uh, right now? I'm only really focusing on Facebook. I try to get into Twitter for a little while, but I don't know Twitter just doesn't keep my attention. I really like Facebook Instagram. I kind of dabble with but Facebook is where it's at for me. It seems to be the most universal platform out there, but I'm going to be putting out a course next year on stuff that we're talking about and i'm gonna have to learn everything and kind of you know play with it more over this year so i can get some good results with that as well but you know i'm pretty much a one-man show i have no employees i have you know a few contractors that i work with and so you know i don't have time to be you know facebook all day it's not my thing
0: right oh i'd love this so you're you must have an assistant or something like virtual assistant
1: but i don't even have a really an assistant anymore i made my assistant a contractor so you know if we have a prod like a project she's working a lot but she also works for other people in our field now so right. you know payroll taxes suck I'll be honest like it's <laughs> it's, it's it's rough and so yeah she she got made a contractor. So it's me, you know, I answer the customer service stuff, it comes in. It's not even like many customer service emails come in anyway. And that's a testament to like our funnels and whatnot and, you know, how we deliver our products. But I might get one or two customer service emails every day and that's really it. And, you know, if there's like a a video I need her to make for a radio show or something like that, I'll send it over to her and she'll crank it out and that's it. So I just pay her for that. Mm
0: -hmm. I love online business. It's like so, yeah, so great.
1: What I found when she was a full-time assistant was I was like constantly trying to Find stuff for her to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so I was like, oh, let's just make you a contractor. You can do stuff for other people at the same time.
0: So, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you as you've been growing your business?
1: Oh, biggest challenges. Well, growing my business. Or
0: some things that you did wrong that you just, you know, you'd do differently if you did it again.
1: You know what? I think, you know, I'm a guy who learns from his mistakes. So, I wouldn't have done anything differently. I will tell you about the time where I completely shut down my YouTube channel and my social media feeds. (laughs) Want to hear about that one?
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: Okay. I got tired of haters. I got so tired of haters. This was like back in 2011. This wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, early 2011. I got so fed up with haters. I got so fed up with the fact that I was putting out so much content to help people and I felt like I was just getting a lot of just flack, you know, just all this negativity. You know, and, and in hindsight, 90% was amazing feedback, 10% was negative, but, you know, dealing with people making videos about me, just like negative videos about me. I had one One guy, this kid in Sacramento, he took an email that I wrote him and took lines out of it. Like it wasn't nothing bad at all, but he made it look like the worst thing ever and made a video out of it. And I was like, yo, like that's, that's one of the things that, that really did it for me. It was like, are you serious? Like, this is what I have to deal with for just being nice and putting out good information. And I was so just kind of irritated about the fact that, you know, I wasn't able to turn this into the business that I wanted to. And a lot of it was just me. You know, just me being a baby it was me being scared and all this fear stuff. So I said, hey, I just want to go back to a normal life and just become a personal trainer and just be anonymous, right? Because people knowing you like I go out places someday not that I'm a celebrity or anything but like people will come up to me like hey Sean and I still get really awkward like I can't believe this person knows me like, this is weird, <laughs> you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and I understand like one of my guilty pleasures is I go on TMZ.com and I just like to read about what's going on with celebrities and whatnot. you know not mm-hmm. judgmentally but I kind of understand why celebrities like start doing drugs and stuff like that and just become all weird because they look at people and go what the hell is wrong with you guys you know what I'm saying like I just make music I just act like why you acting all weird. But anyway, so I got really fed up with it and uh, just wanted to become anonymous again. So I literally deleted my YouTube account. There were some videos there that had millions of views. Like this is when the show was hot on YouTube and I took them all down and I, it felt really good. It felt mm. amazing for about a day. And then I was like, yo, this is not good. Um, <laughs> you're being a big wussy, man. You got to, you can't let people you know, have this much control over you. And very shortly thereafter, I went to one of those landmark education courses. And, you know, one of the ladies there, she worked for the Sinatra family and I was talking with her about this. She was like, you know, Sean, someone said to me, you know, when people stop talking about you, that's when you need to get worried because that's when you're irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. that's really not helping people. So I was like, I'm coming back. And so, you know, I had to re-upload re- all the videos. So some that had a million now had zero, but that was a great lesson to me to, to never quit because one of the things that I couldn't get out of my head during that week is what could this have become? You know, mm-hmm. was I going to become a personal trainer, you know, in five years from now, be thinking, gosh, what did you do that for? Like, what could it have mm-hmm. become?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I'm um, always wonder. like, I used to want to be an NBA basketball player when I was a kid, and I just wasn't committed enough to it. I always go, hmm, what could I have become? Could I have, could I have been an NBA point guard? You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. I never wanted to deal with that. And all this really cool stuff has happened to me. I live in this Amazing house. I have all these amazing friends. You know, I make a good income and whatnot. And this is the stuff that was going to happen that wouldn't have happened if if I would have stayed out the game. And so that's why I tell people never quit. Just keep doing what you're doing. And it might take a year. It may take five years. It might take 10 years. But at some point, that popcorn kernel is going to pop. You know, Mm -hmm. you just don't know what it is. Just keep working at it.
0: So, what was the turning point for you that actually really made things start to take off?
1: The hardest thing for someone in my place in this whole health space, you know, with a following to launch or to promote as a network marketing product. And if you can promote a network marketing product with the stigma that surrounds those type of products, you can promote anything. And I think that is what gave me the courage to do this. And that gave me the ability to see the impact. I worked that business pretty hard for a good six to eight months. And to be in rooms where people are, you know, sitting down in the chairs, listening to the presentations, jumping on board, and just knowing that all these people are chasing their dreams of financial freedom and time freedom because I made a decision, Mm -hmm. you know, that's crazy to me. And so that was big. That just showed me the impact in person, you know, being in these rooms. What just one decision can do for myself and for others and I think once that happened it was like okay sky's the limit and then I think the right people came into my life as well they say when the student is ready the teacher will appear and one of my old clients his name was Alex I just so happened to find in a roundabout way that he was an internet marketer he was about 22 years old at the time and he sold basketball products online and, you know, one day we had a session, I was at my mom's house and I couldn't find his phone number. So I like, you know, typed him in online to see if I can find some information about him to contact him. And uh, saw all these basketball training programs and, you know, he, he eventually called me that day and we went through all of his test results and whatnot. And then, you know, somewhere during that call, he says, yeah, I'm moving to San Diego. And he lived in Michigan at the time. And at the end of the call, I was like, where are you moving to San Diego? He's like, I'm moving to Strata. And I was like, For real? That's like three blocks away from me. <laughs> He's like, Oh yeah, and I'm moving in with this guy, David Sinek. And I was like, Oh I'm, seriously? I met Dave. He's David Sinek used to be the um intern for ryan lee who's a big marketer and dave Sinnick now runs paleohacks.com and i had met dave in a roundabout way in new york about a year before so these guys moved three blocks away from me and so i started hanging out with them and when you're you know 33 years old hanging out with some 22 year olds who are crushing it online you get motivated and so they kind of just taught me the game you know they taught me all about squeeze pages and sales pages and funnels and all of this cool stuff and uh i just followed directions And I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. And so, you know, I was coachable. They coached me. And now the rest is history.
0: Awesome. I just like you said, You know, no need to reinvent the wheel. I think that's so important. I think it can get really overwhelming for people to think that they have to invent this like new amazing thing to run their business online. But actually, you just need to see what's working for other people and just do that with your own spin on it, right? With your own niche, with your own take on because health and wellness, you know, a lot of us are talking about the same kind of stuff like eat a whole foods diet and get more exercise and just common sense stuff. But it's your own spin on it, right? We've all got our unique take. But so you can just... You don't need to reinvent this, the whole, you know, the <laughs> whole new <laughs> way to do things.
1: And, and like you said, you don't want to copy people, though. You know, right. you might want to opt into some people's email list and kind of see how they do things, look at kind of the template of things and the sequence and whatnot. But I try not to watch anybody else's stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. watch anybody's youtube channel i don't listen to anybody's podcast i really don't really really read anybody's blog posts because i feel like that might taint me a little bit and i might be like oh that's a good idea my stuff is going to start to start to look like somebody else's stuff and so i kind of just keep my ideas my own ideas my original ideas but like you said it it certainly doesn't help to kind of see how other people are doing it as you get started and kind of find your way and then just try to be as unique there's nobody else like you. And yes, the content may be a little redundant out there. You know, I kind of changed my, my whole direction on YouTube recently, you know, talking more about this kind of stuff that we're talking about right now, because I was like, yo, how many different ways can you say just eat real food? You know, I said it mm-hmm. 8 million times. And so, you know, but you are a unique person and your story and your personality may resonate with someone in a way that I don't resonate with them. And so this this whole space of health is never saturated because there's only one voice like yours.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. Another thing that, uh, that I wanted to mention about, not looking at other people's stuff so that you don't copy them inadvertently. But also, when you look at other people's stuff too much, you really, I find, get down on yourself because you start comparing. And you're like, oh, look, because you always, you know, pick like the best blogs and then you compare yourself to them and you think, oh, my stuff's not as good. And, you know, I and you just start feeling really bad about yourself. So I think there's like, if you need to get inspired, there's some time to go out, see what other people are doing, get the pulse of the industry. But then when it's time to create and work on your own stuff, you've got to shut it all down just so you can you know, just bring out yourself and put yourself into your work.
1: Yeah. Become the, the, the trendsetter, you know, instead of following what somebody else did, create your own thing. People, copying my summit model now and, you know, using the whole video slideshow thing and all that stuff. And there was a point where I was like, gosh, why is everybody a copy? But, you know, at the same time, it's flattering. I would rather have people copy me than be the, you know, the person who's copying somebody else.
0: Totally. So since we're all interested in health and wellness, I'm curious, how do you stay healthy and centered while you're running your business? Do you have any little tips that you do so you don't go into entrepreneurial overwhelm?
1: Ah, uh, see, you know, I keep it basic. I eat real food. I go to bed early, like nine thirty. I start winding down. Usually in bed by ten. I don't do things I don't want to do. Like very seldom where I'll be like, oh, I don't want to do this. You know, that's just, that's just not me. I, I, I went through that for too long. I, that's just a big drain on my system. I'm farming stuff out. Like I said, I do have my contractors and, you know, they do the stuff that I don't want to do or that I don't have the skills to do. I'm not looking to learn how to do HTML and CSS and build websites and all that stuff. Like, I, that's not my thing. So I feel like a lot of people who are just getting started out, they think they need to know everything. But teamwork is always better than you having to know everything. Just Just pick your one or two or three things that you're good at and do those and everything else you just let other people do. That is really it, I surround myself with good people. Surround myself with supportive people. I have a lot of friends in this industry who I can call upon and ask for advice and pick their brain and whatnot. That's really big because if you hang out with a lot of people, if you hang out with people who don't aspire to be anything, you know, they're happy just to wake up in the morning, you might be hanging out with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say that your your income is the average of the five people you hang out the most with. And I find this to be completely true. You know, as my friends change and, you know, friend groups do change over time. As my friends change, my income seems to change as well. And my impact changes too. And so I think that those are some of the things that kind of, you know, keep me going every day. As entrepreneurs, we're always working. So there's always stuff going on in our head, but um, I'm good at this. I'll tell you something I'm really good at real quick. Before we we wrap, I have entrepreneurial ADD. I have lots of ideas, but I'm good at managing those ideas. Like I know what I'm doing in 2015, right? Mm. But instead of saying, oh, uh, instead of saying, okay, let's put it off to 2015, uh, a lot of people will say, I want to do that one right now, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now you're working on five, six, seven different projects and nothing gets done. So, you know, my thing is, hey, let's take two things and let's focus on them. You know, right now it's my, my thyroid sessions project that we've been working on. We did filming for it all weekend and it's just doing the radio show. And if I can find time to squeeze in a video for YouTube, I'm going to do it. But if I don't, its a, I'm not going to beat myself up all
0: over. Mm-hmm. I love it. Great advice. So tell, tell people where they can find you if they'd like to connect with you or learn more about what you're up to
1: undergroundwellness.com that's the site be a brand new site up next week I just looked at it this morning um, a few things need to be tweaked but brand new site up next week youtube.com slash undergroundwellness facebook.com slash undergroundwellness and all this stuff is on the main site so just go there
0: awesome cool thanks so much Sean it's been great thank talking to
1: you thank you
0: How great was that? Are you just feeling completely enthusiastic now? Sean's so energetic and motivated. I just love it. It was really great talking to him. Don't forget that you can get all the show notes as well as leave a comment or ask question and get all the links we talked about back on the blog, which is at wellpreneuronline.com slash 17. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Do you know there's still people that don't know what podcasts are and don't love podcasts, or they don't even know that they love them because they don't know what they are. And podcasts are amazing. They've really changed my life because they let me like learn wherever I am. And I know you like them for that reason too. So anyway, if you know somebody in health and wellness that could benefit from this, just send it along to them. They can either listen live on the website or download on itunes or stitcher thanks so much for listening and i'll see you back here next week